0: You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. The reading this morning is from Exodus 17, verses 8 to 16. The heading is, The Amalekites Defeated. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, And he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek." From under heaven Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner he said because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation thank you
1: thank you so much We've been in a series, if you're just joining us this morning, we're going, we've been studying the book of Exodus and uh, one thing that keeps surprising me every time we come to a scripture is how relevant a 4,000 year old story has and it's because it's stories about God, leaders, people and our brokenness and it turns out that we still have those today. Four thousand years later we still have relationship with God. We have people wanting to pursue him. We have leaders and followers and we have enemies and brokenness and sin. And so these stories ring so true as we've been going through the stories, mostly covering Moses as he leads people through this desert time. So if you have just joined us, we're currently with the Israelites in the desert. And there's been a heap of different things as they've been experiencing in the desert. But moments after they find themselves in the desert, no home, no army, free from captives, they've found a way to get, well, God has provided a way for food and water. This army comes and attacks them. Out of the blue, waits for them to be released. I can't imagine there's much profit there, that they have much stuff. But something about this army just wants to take this people out. And then this scripture talks about this battle that goes on. The question I wanted to start with this morning is, who are the Malachites, though? Sometimes in the Bible they just mention names. And if you're not aware, those names actually mean something else, going back generations, or have a deeper meaning than just a random army attacked them. And so I just want to give you a bit of history on why these, this group attacked the Israelites out of the blue, or not out of the blue, and what did they want. So quick biblical history lesson. If you don't follow all of it, hopefully you just get the main, the main point. So Abraham had many sons. So the song goes. Abraham had many sons. One of them was this guy called Isaac. Abraham makes a promise with God. He has a son called Isaac. Isaac has two sons, twins. It's prophesied in Genesis 25, 23 that two nations are in your womb, he says to this, this mum. There's enough stress around pregnancy already without God prophesying, telling her there's two nations are in your womb. And two people from within you will be separated. And people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And so that she, she already knows that these kids may have some differences as they grow up. And she has Jacob. And esau jacob with the help of mum steals esau's blessing jacob then gets tricked multiple times after that it's just this it's like an episode of bold and the beautiful it's just it's seriously it's worse than that it's just all these family dynamics i know i just admitted that i know what bold and the beautiful is i'll (laughs) repent of that later um but it is like an episode. So he's, and anyway, these, these two sons fight. He steals the blessing off his father on his father's deathbed with the help of mum. Jacob is tricked into marrying two different wives. Um, on the wedding night, the, the father of that wife slips another wife. Uh, I don't know how it worked, but she must have had her face covered and slips her in. And then he has to wait until he can marry the other wife. Literally, bold and beautiful. Um, and then so they have 13 sons to do different wives. Joseph is number 12 of the 13 sons. He brings his people into Egypt. And Jacob, who tricked his brother, is renamed Israel. And so anyone that comes from Israel is an Israelite. They find themselves in Egypt 400 years after Joseph as slaves. So you have the slaves who we've been watching their journey or listening to their journey in the desert. Meanwhile, funny enough, Jacob and Esau actually become friends again, I guess you could say. Uh, Jacob actually approaches Esau expecting to maybe have a fight as they've become two nations. And he gives him this blessing and Esau says, I don't need it. I've got enough. So they actually forgive each other. But there's still this something going on from Esau's line. And that's where we find the grandson of Esau a I think I'm a Malik or Malachi who had the nation the Amalekites. So, this isn't just if you get none of that. It's like me trying to explain I recently saw the Marvel Endgame movie. It's like me trying to explain all the theories around that. I understand you're looking giving me that look. <laughs> if you get none of that, understand this is more than just an army coming out of the blue. This is family. This is generations later of family hatred for each other from two brothers. They've been waiting. They don't even know why because it's years and generations later. They've been waiting to the moment the Israelites get free. Let's wipe them out. It's no real profit. They don't really have much in the desert, but let's take them down. And so they're more than just a random nation fighting another random nation. So although this was a story of a battle thousands of years ago in the desert, this story has a lot to say about humans, family, God, battles, and enemies we face. And so that's what I want to speak about this morning. And so my first point or two things we're going to talk about, the enemy and how to win the day, how to win the battle. First point about the enemy, and I'm describing enemies. So if Jesus is the person who brings you hope, life, truth then the enemy is anything that brings you death. And I don't just mean physical death. I mean death to your life, addiction, trapping you, changing you for the worst. That's how I'm defining the enemy. Those who seek to bring death to our lives. So the first point, the enemy is more than a person or a group of people. It's spiritual. The enemy is more than a person or a group of people. It's spiritual. I don't have time for a full sermon on spiritual warfare this morning, but this battle that plays out here isn't about one nation wanting more land, isn't about one nation wanting more gold, isn't even the same people that started the fight. There is something spiritual happening here. There is something that transcends generations, over a thousand years of generations, When I say enemy, that which we battle with every day, it's not always physical. It's often got a spiritual component to it. This was a spiritual battle as well as a physical one. This family had carried this identity It's not fair. This victim mentality they'd been trapped in for generation to generation. So the moment this other nation made a move, they were going to take them down. And if you look at other historical writings about this nation, not just from the Bible, it talks they were savage. And actually, they continued to fight the Israelites for about another thousand years later as well. There was something spiritual going on there ephesians six twelve backs me up here <laughs> or more that i'm backing up ephesians six twelve, the scripture says for the struggle is not against flesh and blood our struggle tomorrow as we leave here monday morning the struggle that we're just talking about that some families we have in contact are struggling with our battle our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 6, 12. You know the feeling when you're living your life and and then something out of the blue comes and just whacks you off course. Who's experienced that on some capacity? I'm expecting everyone. You're just living your life and then something random comes along Not quite an army, but something knocks you off course to where you're going. Do you know what? It's so easy to blame that person if someone called. It's so easy to look for someone to get for that. We we love to make, that's why we love superhero films so much as a culture. We love villains and superheroes. So we want a villain. We want someone to blame. But often it's human brokenness. The fact that life is broken. Or that there's something more stirring underneath. Something else that has the power to knock us off course. Distract us from our purpose and calling. It's not always someone's fault. Or even if it is, it's not always worth blaming that person or looking for the, for the villain. It's not about vengeance or getting justice. It's not about making things right according to you. It's forgiveness and love and understanding and God's strength that allows us to not be knocked off course. But I'll come to that in a minute. The second point. The enemy seeks to attack in opportune times. It's always the worst time <laughs> for something to happen. Let me explain. It's no coincidence that nearly every time I go to some sort of conference or have some sort of opportunity through the church to go away, almost to the point I should book them in previously to the hospital because the kids get sick. Every single time. And not just got a cold. Normally one is hospitalised with the asthma. I get back. They're okay. okay for six months. I get an opportunity to go away and be inputted into a leadership thing. That weekend, Mez calls me. She's great. She tries not to call me. But when we've got three kids and two of them are in different hospitals and one of them's... No, exaggeration. One of them's in hospital. She's got the grandparents. It's stressful. Every time. Every time. It's no coincidence. Something more going on. It's no coincidence that Easter morning, I had some heavy, heavy conversations 10 seconds before I got up and preached to 130 people about the gospel. No coincidence. (laughs) No coincidence that maybe my mind, someone was looking to knock me off path. Not somebody, something spiritual. It's no coincidence that 10 minutes before I, I preach, I try to put a smile on my face, but I'm just incredibly anxious a lot of the time. Afterwards, I'm great. <laughs> come, come celebrate and have six pieces of morning tea with me afterwards. So <laughs> spiritual. But 10 minutes before, I'll look like people go, you distract them like just a bit. The enemy wants to attack you when it's most effective. That's my point. He's the enemy, the spiritual warfare, the stuff that's unseen is not waiting for the time that you're well rested. (laughs) Things are great in your marriage and things are going great. Looking for an opportune time to knock you out. It's good to know your enemy or good to know about him. And then lastly, the enemy can come from within. What do I mean by that? This was a story here of two families, two brothers. Judas was the one that launched the events of Easter. He was one of Jesus' disciples. Paul talks about a thorn in his flesh that keeps him humble and affects his work. So often in life we experience a battle in our life and we forget that we too are broken. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Quite possibly in a battle, there's something in us that may have made it worse or contributed or seen it from a broken point of view. We make mistakes. We have insecurities. We love to control. We have human nature. This might sound harsh, but the reason recognizing this can save us so much heartache and confusion. In fact, it means we can give that to God as well. So we just celebrated Easter. We know that we have the power over these enemies, the battles we face, the struggles we have, the hurt that comes across our path. We know he has won. And so how do we live in that though? You might be like, that's all well and good, Steve. It was a good Easter. But how does Monday morning work? How do I live in the face of Monday morning's battle with my boss or a family breakup I'm experiencing? Or sick kids how do I live with that battle? How do I walk in God's truth, ways, and life? Scripture says this, I've said these things to you. This is Jesus, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. Totally admits there's battles to be fought, but take heart, I have overcome the world. How do we walk in that power this morning, church? Well, the three fun ones now. Next slide, next slide, there we go. How to win each day for God, some thoughts on winning our battles out of scripture this morning. First one, remind yourself whose hope and life you live in. Remind yourself whose hope, whose life you live in. Moses literally, his part in the battle that we see is not to fight He's not even leading the men to fight. He's not even on a horse doing a big speech out the front of them going, we're going to take them down, they're our sworn enemy. None of that. His job is to stand on a hill and hold a staff up. I want want that job (laughs) in the battle. And he gets tired. That's his biggest fight. He gets tired, but then two guys sit down beside him on rocks and help him lift his arms up. I want that job in the battle. It's because he's a symbol of God and what it represents to the people. Is the staff power? If you found that staff now, would it still have power on it? Honestly, don't think so. Could be wrong. Speculation. The power comes from God and the power is what Moses represents. They know that staff is the staff that turned into the snake. They know that staff that gave him water. They know that's the staff he holds up. It represents God's presence. So question for us, and we quickly call out, I'm conscious of the time, but give me some quick, what things in our life can remind us of whose life and hope we live in? The Bible, Bible, knowing God's word, knowing God's story. Sorry? Giving, Giving, absolutely, reminding us of God's heart. Walking in God's heart reminds us. Worship, Worship, absolutely. Holy Holy Spirit, gathering together. Answered prayer on the cross, I think I heard. Exactly. And telling of answered prayer. So often we pray, we get the answer, and then we, um, we forget. We're like, thanks God for that one. On to my next battle. Testifying. You're all right, by the way. I'm not, it's not, I'm not taking a quiz. That's exactly right. Anything that helps us remind us of Jesus is helpful. And the life and hope you have in him. Jesus knows this. This is why we take communion. This is what we just did. We remembered what Jesus did, who we are in him, about God's holy presence. Communion, worship, prayer. God knows we are forgetful. He constantly, through the Bible, makes marker points that we can look to to see a glimpse of God. However, let me take this a step deeper this morning as we kind of start to conclude this message. If that's what you needed to hear today to be reminded of God's, to walk in his life and hope, then I'm, then I'm stoked for you this morning. But let me take this a bit more challenging this morning, especially for those that seek or know Jesus today. This is what else this passage tells us to do. And it's so easily forgotten sometimes. You see, not only do we have to make banners in our life, that remind us of who God is each day. The staff they had, they had a scroll, the tabernacle, the temple, communion right through the Bible. These things were active reminders. But so is Moses in this picture. And so, if you know Jesus, are you. You are an active reminder. You are a banner in your community for the hope and life of Jesus. You are a signpost of the presence of God. How scary is that? Anyone else terrified of that? <laughs> I am, because I'm not perfect. That's a lot to take on. 1 Peter 2 9 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. I've heard the royal priesthood thing be about voting in church. It's not about that. It is about you represent God out there. You're the priest in your community, your workplace, your school, your neighborhood, your where you get a haircut. To your hairdresser, you are the priest. 1 Corinthians 3:16 to 17 says this, Do you not know you are God's temple and the God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Again, heard this passage talking about smoking and eating, what enters your body because you're the temple. That's a good way to read it as well. But the other way is, you are the temple out there. You are the banner of Christ. You are the person walking into extremely dark situations like the Evans boys conversation this week I imagine and you bring with you the banner of hey in this mess somehow in it all Christ still reigns and he's good and there's life and hope in that This whole world, it turns out, is experiencing battles, experiencing confusion. Just turn on the news. You'll see the confusion. If they don't know Jesus, and I promise you, they feel lost. Let me say that again. If they don't know Jesus, I promise you they feel lost. If they don't know Jesus, I promise you somewhere deep within them, they are lost and confused. They are looking for something. And you are that signpost. You are that reminder you are still here and still kicking because God wants to use you to be that banner. So while we're not perfect and we stuff up all the time, at least me, eat too many pieces of morning tea, shouldn't have to, do. Lots of ways I stuff up more than that. And we need God ourselves. God is in our imperfection. And we need to ask him to transform us, change us, mould us daily. It's not a battle, we're not fighting God's battle for him. It's not even about deliberately going into the dark places in the battle. But whether we are Josh, as you know, as Moses sends Josh to fight, whether we are Josh on the battlefield, whatever season we are in, we are representing the Holy Spirit. Or at least making an effort as 2 Peter 1-3 invites us to do. Just a quick disclaimer, if you are visiting or you're not sure what I'm saying here, I'm not saying we need to be good and then God will love us. If you don't know Jesus today, he welcomes you with open arms. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying post-accepting Jesus, our amazing purpose is partaking in this divine purpose of being a lighthouse for the gospel, for the risen Christ and seeking his transformation every day. Last question. You say, Steve... That's really hard though. You see, I was going really good until that person cut me off in traffic and then I gave them a sign to show them I was displeased with a hand gesture. (laughs) And I didn't feel like a light post that day. Or Steve, I really wanted that business deal to lock in. I've been, you don't understand the pressure or stress I've been under. I wanted it to go that way and I know what I did was not not the greatest way to show God's love And I probably understand now that that wasn't a banner for Jesus. Well, I don't like to gossip, Steve, but that one thing I was saying was really interesting and really kind of fun. I guess that wasn't, I guess even if I listened to gossip and let that person gossip, I wasn't really being a banner, was I? I get it. I truly understand this every week of stuffing up. And it got me thinking, and I've thought of this new idea. Because we all stuff up, I reckon. We all fall short of the glory of God. What if we had, now hear me, if we had a community, right? A group of people. Kind of like Moses did in this passage, where they lifted his hands up and they helped him. Or like Moses did when he passed the baton on to Joshua and said... I'm not going to fight the battle. I'll just stand here and represent the presence of God. You're, you got the energy. You fight the battle, Joshua. What if we had a group like that made up of different generations? Passing batons on like Moses to Joshua. What if this community's purpose was to encourage, celebrate, spur, challenge, live together, like do life together, lift up, laugh, cry, Sing. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't we be a little bit better each week for it? What if we met together? What if we encourage each other all week? And then we met together Sunday mornings around 9 to 11? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's called church, not just Sunday morning, the community. We are the church. You don't attend church, you become the church. Church is not nine. If, if, so, if church for you is nine to eleven, just Sundays. If this is, if it's about your favourite playlist only, or if it's just about the sermon, or it's just about communion, or it's just about Krista Coffee Cart Coffee, and it is worth, that is good. If it's just about socialising, then all that stuff is good, but you're missing out, man. You're missing out on what it's truly about. It's a battlefield out there we need to be lifting each other's up. We need to be encouraging each day to put our armor back on and face Monday morning. We need to not be looking at faults all the time, but walk towards the solution together in accountability. We need to be in each other's lives, in small tables. One of my heart, big heart here for the church this year is small groups. After alpha finishes, We're going to launch some small groups. More of that to come. A little bit of information in your church news. But small groups, small groups, small groups is all we'll be talking about pretty soon. We need to be picking each other up. This is why I love, for an example, what the ladies are trying to do Wednesday night. Sharing a meal together. And from what I know, they're sharing some stories of both laughter and tears. And lifting each other up. Some of those people in that group won't have to go into a physical energizing battle of a workplace every day and so they become the presence they hold the staff up high and they go go on joshua <laughs> Gee, you got a lot of energy but go for it and some of those in moments in their life at the moment where they need to be lifted up and others have wisdom and experience Love the women's idea. That's just one of many things this church does to try and be the church. So how to win the day each day for God? Win the day, win the week, win the month, win the year. How to win the day each day for God? Remind yourself whose life and hope you live in. Remind yourself each day You're not walking in death. You're not walking in the mistakes you've made. You're not walking in that thing you did. You're walking in Christ's resurrection in his life and hope. Seek to become a signpost or banner of the presence of God. Wherever you are, you represent Jesus. I know it's scary. And that's why the third point is so important. Pass the baton, lift others up and disciple. Help each other. Pass life onto each other and across the generations. Not only will this church win the day, but we'll win the week, we'll win the month, and we'll win the year. Let's pray and I'll ask the team to come up. Father, thank you so much for this morning. We've even highlighted some this morning, the battles we face, the struggles we face, the enemy that comes at us. May we find ways to be your church. May we find ways to glorify you more, to remind ourselves of you more, to live in you more, to represent you more, to be loved To be kind, to be patient, to be joyful in all things. And may we lift each other up when we fall. May we spur each other on. May we pass the wisdom and experience and joy on and on and on. Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your son, that we don't have to do any of this in our power but his. Bless this week. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.